Welcome to this podcast by Global Church. We are a church planting movement wanting to reach cities from here to everywhere, one to everyone. If you want to find out more information, check out our website on www.globalchurch.co.uk. Good morning, church. I hope you've had a good week. Today, I'm bringing the, the series of what happens when Jesus returns or the second coming. We're, you know, I've maybe two more sessions to do with this, but I'm really bringing it home today into the, the, the serious part. It's all been very serious, but uh, I'm going to let the Bible speak for itself in many ways today. But we are going to be looking today at Jesus coming back. He's coming back to judge the living and the dead. Not an easy topic, so I need you to listen. I need you to focus. There might not be too many funnies today because today in one sense is like neat whiskey. And for some of you, I know that you're new believers and you've never even heard about the second coming until I started speaking about it. You know, we're very positive in global. We know that God wants you to have a great life. And when things come against it, we encourage you to stand against what's coming against you, robbing you. The, the, the Bible says that the devil, he, he comes to kill, steal and destroy. He wants to kill your faith. And he wants to steal your joy. Uh, he wants to destroy you. He wants to destroy your family. He is merciless. And the flip side of that verse, part B, Jesus said, but I have come that you might have life and life in all its fullness. And, you know, we believe that, that life does have challenges. Even Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. But fear not, I have overcome the world. And we keep it positive because life can be positive. And in our darkest moments, light will shine for the upright, according to Psalm. So uh, today we are looking at judgment, but I want you to know that God is good and his son Jesus who reveals him is good. You know, you can only, if I have three sons, I can only beget what I am. My sons, they're just like me. They're like the mother as well, but they're just like me. I, can only, I can't beget a frog. I can't beget... Can you see what I'm saying? And Jesus is the only begotten of the Father. He's the only son of the Father. Can you see? And so he is like him. In fact, Paul goes the furthest and he says this, the fullness of God dwells in him. He is the image of the invisible God. The writer to the Hebrews says, John says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And, and then it says about the word, and the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. That's Jesus. Jesus is co-equal with God. And so is the Holy Spirit co-equal with the Father and the Son. And the Holy Spirit comes and lives within us. And the same Holy Spirit that was alive and living in Jesus comes to live in believers. And you know what? We become sons and daughters of God, co-heirs with Christ. This is amazing. And that's why it says in Romans that, it's God's will that we become conformed into the likeness of his son. And, you know, we'll probably touch on that next week. But what I want us to, to, to do is just to see what, what John's gospel says. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only, his one and only son, so that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but will have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world 
And that's why Jesus came with a very positive message and he died for the sins of the world. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already. Why? Because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only son. In the last verse, verse 36 in John chapter 3, it says this, Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. And God's wrath is on every single human being, is justice. And God knows what's coming, so he sent his Son to pay the price for that justice, so that now whoever believes in him doesn't have to endure God's wrath in fact they find his mercy and his grace and eternal life but if you're stubborn and you reject Jesus you're like well you have to stand now and the God, God's wrath remains on you but that's that's not his choice that's your choice can you see what I'm saying God so loved the world but he is he, he has to have the balance he's the the ruler of the universe and so he can't just be love he must be justice there's too many bad things going on in this world that have not been sorted out and God in his wisdom has left them to judgment day. And so God has got to be vindicated because many people have called him many things and they've accused him of many things. And on judgment day, the books will be open, justice will be done, but mercy will be given to those who have already believed. But if you haven't believed, there'll be no mercy, only judgment. But that's down to you, that's not down to him. I'm wanting you to see, he can't do it for you. He's done everything in his power to, to rescue you from the wrath to come. He has to punish sin. But he did that at the cross. And so your lifeboat, your ark, your, your saviour is Jesus Christ. And so you need to come to him. In the 80s, there's a great, great worship leader. He's still a great man. He's the grandfather, I think, of, of uh, or pioneer is a better word of modern worship in the churches in Britain and throughout Europe and in the world. And he's called Graham Kendrick and he wrote this song and it shows the balance. Jesus, fully God, fully man, it's a mystery. Meekness and majesty, manhood and deity, in perfect harmony, the man who is God. Lord of eternity dwells in humanity, kneels in humility and washes our feet. Oh, what a mystery. Meekness and majesty, bow down before, bow down and worship, for this is your God. Father's pure radiance, perfect in innocence, yet learns obedience to death on a cross. Suffering to give us life, conquering through sacrifice, and as they crucify, praise Father, forgive. Oh, what a mystery, meekness and majesty. Bow down and worship, for this is your God. Wisdom unsearchable, God the invisible. Love indestructible, in frailty appears. Lord of infinity, stooping so tenderly, lifts our humanity to the heights of his throne. Oh, what a mystery. Meekness and majesty, bow down and worship, for this is your God. That's what God's come to do. 
is to stoop down, pick us up and raise our humanity. What was fallen in Adam can be raised up in Christ. We were under the curse of sin until we believed in Jesus and then the the, the, the curse was broken and we were set free and now we can become all that God intended us to be. It's so good. So when Jesus returns, he's coming to complete the saints, to convert the Jews, to conquer the devil, to command the world. He will rule from Jerusalem for a thousand years. Nevertheless, Jesus will return to close down or condemn the ungodly because they cannot go on spoiling God's world and God's plans. And so everything's going to come to an end and he's going to start a whole new world, a whole new creation, a whole new society with people, populated with people who actually want to be there. Yeah. So when people say, well, I don't believe in God, I, 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 you know, I'm not interested. You know, well, you don't have to come unless you believe you won't come. And that's my pressure, my, the pressure of my life is to help people understand that God is for them and that they need to repent, they need to turn around, they need to change with God's help and following Jesus's ways rather than their own sinful ways. And it's, you know, even the Isaiah 55, the prophet, he said, let the wicked forsake his way and the evil man his thoughts. And we need God's help to do that. And God wants to help us. We've just got to be willing. Why is it necessary to wind up the present evil age or conclude history with the day of judgment? The present evil age and the day of judgment are biblical words. Theologians have brought them kind of phrases out. But why is it necessary to wind it up? Number one, the injustice of life demands it. Life is so unfair. You just think of all the despots that have treated people with no mercy. No court, no human court is big enough to meet out the, the judgment that has to come upon people that have refused to repent and remain so arrogant in their sin and have been merciless to others. Life is so unfair. Many times the wicked have prospered and the innocent have suffered. Instinct demands a time when good is rewarded and evil is punished. Don't just think about the despots. Think about ordinary people in your time. People that spoil everything. Yeah. Think about, we've had to put up with so many people spoiling people's lives. Um, we're all to blame. That's, you, you know, but it's just to what degree? None of us are innocent. Not one of us. Human courts cannot bring the weight of justice necessary for some of the evil crimes that humans have committed. They need an eternal perspective. And none of us are innocent, your preacher included. That's why I am glad that I've been forgiven. My past has been wiped clean. My sin has been deleted by Almighty God. Other people might remember it. Other people might have sinned me carrying on and stuff like that. But you know what? God has forgiven and forgotten and he's the judge. And we all stand before the judge and we cannot, we will not be able to look, somebody else will say, I wasn't as bad as them because the judge will deal with us as we are. So the injustice of life demands it. The justice of God demands it. If God never writes the wrongs that he has permitted, then his goodness is in question. If he truly is the king of the universe, 
that position, King of the Universe, carries with it the responsibility of being the judge as well. If the Bible is true, and I believe it is, when it declares God cannot be mocked, a man will reap what he sows. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. Then there must be a day of reckoning when justice is done. Number three, God must be publicly vindicated, vindicated, shown to be right. He must seem to be just in his decisions about our destiny. He has been so frequently accused of being unfair. Number four, Jesus must publicly be vindicated. Why? Because his execution was the greatest injustice of all and the darkest day in human history. The, the last sight the world had of Jesus was as a criminal in disgrace. Everyone must see the reversal of that verdict. When Pontius Pilate stands before Jesus the King, when Caiaphas the High Priest stands before Jesus the Great High Priest, when Caiaphas' servant who slapped Jesus' face stands before the one he slapped. When those who spat on Jesus and pulled out his beard and beat and whipped him to a pulp, all must stand before Jesus, the King, and see that he is innocent and he really is King and Judge as well as Saviour and Redeemer. Number five, the Lord's people, Christians, believers, let's, put, let's leave it at believers. Believers in Jesus must be publicly vindicated. You, you that are believers that are listening, you need to be vindicated. That, that you've made the right choice. You took the side of God and the side of right, yet in a wild and wicked world, you paid the price for taking your stand. And believers often have been excluded They've been put down and some of them have even paid with it with their lives. Christians must be publicly honoured in the presence of those who treated them with contempt and hatred. I don't have time to go into Hebrews chapter 2 verse 11, Matthew 25 verse 40. You know, Jesus said, blessed are you by my father. Come and receive your inheritance of the kingdom of God. And, uh, you know, they're all confused a little bit going, Jesus, well, I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was naked and you clothed me. I was in prison. You visited me. He said, when did we do these things, Lord? He said, when you did it to the least of these, my brothers, then you did it to me. And then he turns, that's when he's dealing with the sheep. In Matthew 25, there's three parables. And you've got the sheep and the goats. You've got the 10 virgins. You know, five were wise, five were unwise, uh, foolish. And then you've got the, 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 the talents, the parable of the talents, which is money. Uh, talents, not, it's not like a talent show, it's money. Right at the end of Matthew chapter 25, Jesus talked about those who were the goats who were on his left. And he said, depart from me, you who are evil. He said, I was hungry and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty, you didn't give me something to drink. I was naked, you didn't clothe me. I was in prison, you didn't visit me. And they will say, when, Lord, when did we do these things? When did we see you hungry? When? And he said, when you didn't do it for the least of these, then you didn't do it for me. And in verse 41, and this is a key verse, he said to them, depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. And I want you to know 
that God has prepared hell for the devil and his angels. It wasn't intended for human beings. But like Adam and Eve, we have all been tricked and deceived by the devil. And we've fallen into his trap. And and God knows that. That's why he sent his son to come and reveal truth to us so that we can see the error of our ways. We can see we've been tricked and start to follow him and and follow his ways, which lead to life. Jesus said there's a a broad road that leads to destruction and many are there that walk on it. But there is a road within that, that broad road that goes in the opposite direction. And he says it's a narrow road and few are there that walk on it. But that leads to eternal life. Today, you've got to know what road are you on? If you're on the broad road that leads to destruction, where it's safety in numbers, what does that mean? It means, well, everybody does it. So it must be okay. Everybody fiddles the tax man. Everybody sleeps around. Every businessman or every businesswoman's unfaithful to the partner. Everybody does it. Everybody does it. No, 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 my friend. There is a road that, that, that goes in the opposite direction. Any dead fish can swim downstream, but it takes a live fish to swim against the current and go upstream. And that is the story of every believer. And I want to, I want to say to you believers, you can test whether you're in the faith because there will be a struggle on your life that says, I have to fight against my natural inclinations and the temptations of the word in order to, in the world, in order to stay with Jesus and his word, God's word and God's ways. And I want to strengthen you today and say, there will come a time where Jesus will say, well done, good and faithful servant. And there'll be rewards given out. Believe me, there'll be rewards given out. Don't believe me, believe the Bible. And then it says this, the Lord's people must publicly be vindicated. That's right, that's number five. So the next one is that we're going to be judged. Where will we be judged? We'll be judged on this earth. All those who have died will be raised to life and re-embodied, whether buried, cremated or lost at sea, they will be stand, that we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And it's awesome. So now I want to read you some things. And if I don't get through my talk, this is more important. This is, this is from the book of Revelation. And this is the revelation that the risen Jesus gave to John, who wrote John's gospel, when he was exiled on, on the island of Patmos. And he had the revelation. And this is part of it from Revelation chapter 19, Revelation 20. John said, I saw heaven standing open. And there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice, he judges and makes war. His eyes are like blazing fire and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but but he himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood and his name is the Word of God. I wonder who that is. It must be Jesus. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Out of his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter, an iron rod. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has this name, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And I saw an angel standing in the sun who cried out in a loud voice to all the birds flying in midair, 
Come gather together for the, the great supper of God so that you may eat the flesh of kings, generals and mighty men, of horses and their riders and the flesh of all people, free and slave, small and great. Then I saw the beast. You know, the, this is the guy who, who sets his throne up in Jerusalem, the dictator in the, in the Middle East. Then I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against the rider on the horse and his army. But the beast was captured and with him the false prophet who had performed the miraculous signs on his behalf. With these signs, he had deluded those who had received the mark of the beast and worshipped his image. This dictator will set up an image of himself and you'll have to worship it. And if you don't, then you'll be terrorised and tormented and murdered. The two of them, the beast and the false prophet, were thrown alive into the fiery lake of burning sulphur. The only two human beings not to stand judgment. They're so depraved that God just throws them straight in to the lake of fire and the lake of burning sulphur. The rest of them were killed with the sword that came out of the mouth of the rider on the horse and all the birds gorged themselves on their flesh. Chapter 20. This is about the thousand year reign. And I saw an angel coming down out of heaven, having the keys of the abyss and holding in his hand a great chain. He seized the dragon, that ancient serpent who is the devil or Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. He threw him into the abyss and locked and sealed it over him to keep him from deceiving the nations anymore until a thousand years were ended. After that, he must be set free for a short time. I saw thrones on which were seated those who had been given authority to judge. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony for Jesus and because of the word of God. They had not worshipped the beast or his image and had not received his mark on their foreheads or their hands. They came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. Do you remember me saying that all the believers, the dead in Christ and the believers that are alive will rise up first. So they came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. The rest of the dead, that's the unbelievers, did not come to life until a thousand, the thousand years were ended. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy are those who have part in the first resurrection. The second death, which is hell, the second death has no power over them, but they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him for a thousand years. Are you a believer today? I want you in. I don't want you out. I want you part of that first resurrection, not the second one. Verse 7, Revelation chapter 20. When the thousand years are over, Satan will be released from his prison and, and will go out to deceive the nations in the four corners of the earth. Gog and Magog to gather them from the, for battle, sorry. In number, they are like the sand on the seashore. In other words, numerous, too many to count. They marched across the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of God's people, the, the city he loves. But fire came down from heaven and devoured them. And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur, where the beast and the false prophet had been thrown. They will be tormented day and night, forever and ever. 
and ever and ever and ever. And the same word there is used for eternal life. It lasts forever and ever and ever and ever. And so the length of time in hell will be forever and ever and ever. We cannot compute it. I'm here to warn us all. And you know me, I love a laugh. You know me, I love life. But, you know, some things are not funny. Some things just have to be said. And we have to, we have to heed the warning and make some wise choices. Verse 11. Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. Earth and sky fled from his presence and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small. That's kings, pharaohs, tsars, you know, all the good and the great and the small and the insignificant seemingly standing before the throne and books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done, as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. And each person, each person, was judged according to what he had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Chapter 21, I'm almost there. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men and he will live with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God and he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated upon the throne said, I am making everything new. Right at the end of that chapter it says, nothing impure will ever enter the, new, the holy city. Nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Maybe today you're saying, is there any hope for me? Because I've never heard this before. And I'm, I'm not a believer. Um, and I want to say, yes, there is. Because the moment you believe, your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. The Lamb Jesus, who he died as a, a sacrificial offering. They used to sacrifice lambs in the Old Testament. And Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And all you have to do is believe in him, trust in him. Even you skeptics saying, well, I, I don't feel like I believe. No, 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 no. Just say, I believe. I don't care whether I feel like if there's a gap, if, there's a, if I'm walking over a bridge, over, over some water and there's, there's some planks missing, I don't have to feel anything. I just have to do the right thing and stride over. Yeah. And Jesus is your bridge to life. And you've got to come with all your uh, insecurity, all your uh, cynicism and everything. And God, I'm trying to put it all to one side because I want to believe. Help me in my unbelief. And the Holy Spirit will come. And you'll, you will know when he comes because all of a sudden you'll believe. And you'll think, what happened? What changed? And it's because God saw your heart. Not your competence. Not your good works. He saw your heart. And he saw that you wanted. And where there's a want to, you will find a way to. And so I believe that very strongly.
And so you can come and you can say, I want to be in the Lamb's Book of Life. And I want to say something very sobering. You know, those books, the Book of Life is mentioned three times in the Bible. And twice out of them three times, somebody's names were being rubbed out of that Book of Life. You can say, what, what? I thought we were safe. No, 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 you're not safe until Jesus comes back. You are being saved. And every book in the New Testament tells us to keep going, keep pressing on. You know, Peter says, make your calling and election secure. We have to keep believing. Why does every book in the New Testament urge us not to fall away, fall back? The book of Hebrews says, don't throw away your confidence because in due season, it'll be richly rewarded. Right? Don't throw it away. Some people are turning back and you say, no, 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 don't keep pressing on. Follow Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. Why is it saying that? He's saying it because faith is faithfulness and we have to remain faithful to Jesus and his word and his ways. And I see so many Christians who are totally oblivious. And I want people from global and any church I can get my hands on and speak into, I want them to be on fire. Even the Bible says, check yourself to see if you're still in the faith. Why would it say that if it was just like, once you've believed, you, you, you know, it's there, you, you're in, it doesn't really matter how you behave. I'm going to look at this in more depth next week because I want you not just to enter the kingdom by being born again and being baptised in water and having faith in Jesus, etc., etc., being filled with the Holy Spirit. That's entering the kingdom. I want you to inherit the kingdom and have everything that God's got for you and that we march into heaven triumphant and we might feel weak as kittens but you know what when we see Jesus returning everything will be rejuvenated we'll be ready and I want us to be ready on that day not not living as though Jesus is he's not coming back for a million years and we, we can live how we want no he who has this hope John says in his letters he who has this hope of his coming of Jesus' appearing, purifies himself. In other words, we live as though Jesus is coming back today. That's how we live every day. The, I said this was neat whiskey, and it is. And I've lived my life with these scriptures in my mind and in my life. And I've been successful and I've failed and I've done all sorts of things in terms of serving my God. But you know what? My heart has always wanted to be faithful. From the team here at Global Church, thank you for listening to this podcast. Please check out our other messages available on the website 